This is Enjoy Cherokee Voices, a podcast recorded live to deliver in-depth conversations with dynamic people from all corners of Cherokee County. Listeners like you sink into this weekly podcast to learn more about the people that make Cherokee County extraordinary. And now it's time to get to know another neighbor. Here's your host, Jody Drinkard. Hello, hello, and welcome to the studio, Dr. Brian Hightower. How are you today? I'm great, Jody. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, so glad to be here with you today. Well, we are thrilled to have you in the studio. What I really want to do is get to know you as a person. I've been to several of uh, events where you've spoken, and Cherokee County School District is very fortunate to have you. Uh, that is unmistakable. We've come a long way. How long have you been with the system in total? Well, Jody, uh, this will be beginning in my 37th year. 37th uh, year? Unbelievable. How can You're only 38. I so. know, exactly. Um, no, I've had a great career here, and uh, Canton and Woodstock and living in the county has just been very good to me. We believe that uh, Cherokee is a great place to, to grow roots and to, to live and to work and to raise a family and be involved in civic organizations and churches. My wife and I uh, met here at Reinhardt. Uh-huh. And just decided very early on uh, in our lives that we wanted to be here. And so both of us have established great careers. My wife was a 30-year educator before retirement, and, uh, and uh, I've just enjoyed it immensely. And, and what did your wife teach for 30 years? So she began as a middle school educator, uh, math and science. She had some nursing background uh, early in her ed degree programs, and so in, in the end, she rolled towards special education mm-hmm. and worked with a variety of children there, uh, students with severe uh, and profound disabilities, and mm-hmm. then mild and moderate disabilities, and then ended up uh, being a coach mentor. We have a position in the district uh, that's called a special ed facilitator that where they go in and mentor young teachers and check on paperwork and do those kinds of things. So she ended her career really helping young educators, which is, for me, that's it's a great way to end a career. Absolutely. Yeah. Leaving a mark. Leaving a mark yeah. with, with tomorrow's leaders. Absolutely. There you go. Well, we're going to skip back in time a little bit here. Were you born and raised in Cherokee County? So I wasn't. Uh, I was, I'm, obviously, you can tell from my, uh, my, my brogue that, <laughs> that I'm a Georgian. I, I can't convince anybody that I'm from Connecticut or Vermont <laughs> or, or Jersey. Um, so I was raised just west of here in Cartersville, but I came to Reinhardt as an 18-year-old freshman and literally never left the county. Uh, worked, at, worked at Reinhardt, worked on a degree. It was a two-year school at the time, and so um, after the two years, I stayed on and coordinated housing at Reinhardt. And so I would go to Kennesaw and work on a degree in the morning and come back and referee dorm stuff for, for Were you the a residence hall director? I was a resident hall director and over all of the other directors. So I coordinated all of their, their own campus housing. Well, now you're talking my language because my master's is in higher education administration and I was in student activities and all of that kind of that was residence our hall director. Yep, yeah, all student of that. services. I was I was part of student services team, and so that was a great way to to start start uh, my career and work on again work on ed and get my degree program and be around young kids, young people, and so rolled right from that into middle school uh, education and taught for ten years before then ultimately getting into administration as an assistant principal principal and principal 
had the opportunity to step up and work at the district level and did a variety of things in school operations and uh, ultimately became a deputy superintendent and then superintendent six and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah, you've been, you've touched just about every aspect of education from the very young children to even the graduating college people, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, well, I have a question for you. Where did you go to elementary school? Okay. I went to Cloverleaf Elementary. Uh, When I was going through school in Georgia, kindergarten was not part of your education, part of the K-12 experience. So I did a private kindergarten and then plugged into an elementary in Bartow. It was Cloverleaf Elementary, grades one through eight, and then rolled right into high school. I was at Cass High School uh, and again, rolled toward Reinhardt. But my, my, my K-12 experience was great. And I think that probably between that and being part of team sports, I was big in athletics and clubs when I was young. And I think that really cemented for me um, the importance of K-12 public education. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big part of my story. Yeah. So your K-12 K through education, um, were you ever called to the principal's office? So no. Um, no? I, you know, I, you know, we all have our little indiscretions when we're growing up and lessons that need to be learned. I, I had to visit the principal a little bit. I was not a troublemaker or anything uh, habitual. I, I had to hear from the principal a time or two. Yeah. Do you, you remember know, any you, of those little incidents? I, well, you know, you have little life lessons where you're disruptive or, or rude or maybe in a place where you're not supposed to be at an unappointed time. <laughs> uh, in high school, we had this agreement, though, that uh, a lot of uh, the athletes got sent to their coach for discipline. And don't think that if we got caught doing something, that that was a way out of anything. No, uh, there was a lot of accountability f- f- to both my basketball coach and my football coach. And so it usually meant – discipline on the field, a lot of extra conditioning. No kidding. So uh, we, we we pretty much flew the the straight and narrow in high school because we didn't want the wrath of our, our coaches on us. And so, uh, no, it, I did had, you, I had at, at times, did you have to run those extra laps? I might have had to do some discipline running yeah. a time or two. And usually it's just being high schooler and doing, you know, being in places where you didn't need to be and and uh, not not trying to be accountable to. <laughs> Boy, I'm to, trying really hard to get a story you out are. of you here. No, no, listen, nothing fun. No, nothing, <laughs> nothing egregious. No, no, nothing no, we nothing can nothing giggle egregious. at or anything. Nothing egregious no. there. Just, just not being where I needed to be and doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and being in a small community, you always knew that your parents were going to find out too, and they <laughs> did. And so. Uh, my, my dad was uh, a little bit quiet, but he was big on accountability. But mom, you know, you got to answer to your mom. Yeah. So that could be a little. I uh, didn't want to disappoint mom. So I, I tried to I tried to walk the straight and narrow as much as possible. What did your parents do? So my dad was um, with the Department of Transportation. And so he dealt with a lot of folks that we would know in our community. He tells story about working working with Gene Hopgood and the county mayors and he was in the road projects. And of course, uh, Cherokee has been a growing county for a long time now. So he worked over here some doing county projects. And so he did that and had a great career there. Mom was very, my mom was very bright. We lost her very early. I was a senior in college, but very bright lady. Um, 
instilled within me lifelong learning and a love for reading. Ah. But uh, yeah, she was the accountability manager at the house. She was probably social director, lead cheerleader, <laughs> but she was also the big stick too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, is your father still alive? He is. And does he, he live is. here in Cherokee now so as well? He's still in Cartersville, is where he? I grew up. Yeah, he, and just doing great, uh, staying healthy. And in fact, he just recently turned eighty-four. So. Uh, Ooh, good genes. Good He's got a full head of hair. He's living a long, healthy life. And so uh, I think the prospects for me are, are pretty good. That's good. Yeah. It's something good to look forward to. So when you went to college, you went to Reinhardt. Uh, did you apply at other schools? I didn't. So uh, heading into college, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. You know, here I am in a, a situation where I've been in schools now a long, <laughs> long time. Yeah. But but as a, as a senior, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And so um, I applied to Reinhardt late. Uh, they graciously accepted me and gave me a little bit of money to come their way. And uh, I was going to try it out for a semester and see if I liked it. And, um, you know, now all these degrees later, um, there, there was a point in my career where I was in a graduate program, some type of a graduate program ongoing for 10 straight years. Oh, really? So once I got started, I almost, you couldn't make me leave. Uh, a perpetual student. Yeah. Well, you know, when you try things in your career and I don't really consider it a zigzag, I, I think probably today's generation mm-hmm. sees it a little bit better than my generation is that if you want to try different things, it does mean that you might need to go back and do a little bit of work. So I added things. I added degrees. I had a master's. I added a master's and rolled into in education. They have a second level master's called a specialist. Mm -hmm. So in there, I added on a master's and then did gifted teaching, which took a year's worth of coursework. And then I rolled into an EDS and then I rolled into an admin program. So all of that together was about 10 years. I took a little bit of a break and then worked on a doctorate a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Are you still continuing education things? So I do some online courses still, mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a neat uh, online platform now, and it's called a MOOC, M-O-O-K, which is Massively Online Open Coursework. Really, And so I complete MOOCs here and there, uh, but again, uh, I, I love to read. I love to grow. I love the beach read kind of stuff, the murder mysteries, the espionage. I do a lot of that, uh, yeah. a lot of fun reading, uh, but I also do a lot of um, of professional reading, both in my craft, but also leadership in general. So uh, I, I try to instill that. I think the best way that you can do that for your both your family and your community and your organization is to show them that, that you're leaning forward, that you're learning, that you're growing. It's a big part of who I am. I've, I, uh, I'm 59 years old, uh, but I see myself as a perpetual student mm-hmm. wanting to grow and be better. I think from a professional side, um, my organization and my community deserves the best me. Uh, I need to bring my A game every single day. So I want to continue to grow and, and, and be a great leader. My family needs for me to be a great father, grandfather. My church needs for me to be a great member and leader. So I, I really have just continued to try to grow myself. Um, it's not about growing a brand. Um, I'm not a brand. Um, I'm a person. I'm a leader. Uh, I'm invested in this community, and I want to be absolute, absolutely the best person that I can be. Take mm-hmm. 
take the talents I've been given and to, to grow them and use them uh, so, so that my community and my family is a little better. I'm Bill West here with Jim Brown of Kitchen Tune-Up. We know you offer lots of ways to remodel a kitchen. What's the most popular? Right now, we're doing a lot of new cabinets, cabinet refacing, and painting cabinets. Backsplash, new countertops as well. Why do you offer so many price levels? It's all about being comfortable. We like to show our customers multiple price points to ensure we are fitting their budget. We can keep it simple, or we can go more upscale. We can do projects with no money down and comfortable monthly payment plans. We know that Kitchen Tune-Up is doing projects all over North Georgia now. What are your customers saying about the work you're doing? They like that we're local. Our offices are centrally located in Canton, so we're able to serve all of North Georgia very easily. How do we get in touch with you? You can find us online at kitchentuneup.com or you can call us directly at 470-808-9905. Tell us you heard us on WLJA and receive an extra 5% off of your project. Well, you were a member of sports teams, you said earlier, and those are very good breeding grounds for becoming a good leader and becoming a, a good citizen in the community. What what sports did you do in high school or so, partake in? Yeah, so um, the, the main sports were football, basketball, track. I gave ba- baseball, I, I had done that as a youth, gave that a little bit of a try, kind of rolled into men's league softball out of that. Uh, tried wrestling, tried some, uh, some, a little bit of everything, um, but probably my mainstays were basketball and football. Football, what position did you play? So I was pretty fast. I was a sprinter in track, and so that kind of bled over into football. I was a running back, wide receiver, tight end on defense. I was safety, cornerback, th- those kind mm-hmm. of positions. Quick, quick guy out there. Yeah, yeah, tried to be, tried Mm -hmm. to be, tried to be fast. And you were in track. What did you do in track? So again, those sprinting events, um, I did a few field events, long jump, uh, triple jump. Uh, If you could see me now, I'm only 5'8", so I don't necessarily have the leg length that most, uh, you know, really state and world-class athletes would have. But I I did okay in those field events, but I was a sprinter, uh, 100, 200, 400. Mm -hmm. Couldn't do the hurdles. They were as tall as me. So Isn't uh, that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love have, to see. I love to see uh, our kids succeed in sports. And if you're around our organization, you'll see me at athletic events. I love to see the kids do well. We had a great story this summer. Uh, we had a senior, uh, Bill Sumner, who is just a great athlete. Has won state championships uh, throughout his track career. Uh, we'll do great things at Georgia, but we saw him putting up world-class times this summer and a really? lot of events around the country competing against professionals and beating them in heats. And so for me, um, sports was, was, was definitely a place where you learn a lot of life lessons. I, I really, uh, especially like the team sports. I think it's important to plug in and be a part of something good with a, with a football team. You're one of 11 on the field. Mm-hmm. You need to do what you do well, but you also need to help those folks that are on the field with you, uh, with, with knowing your responsibilities, but helping them with theirs. And, um, there's the competition side. There's the, the, the winning and losing and learning how to deal with those, those types of things. So, uh, learning how to do to deal with adversity, uh, working through personal injury, all of those kinds of yeah. lessons, uh, being accountable, uh, to your teammates and to your coaches, 
um, lot, lots of life lessons to learn there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you were in football, when you were in some of these sports yourself, did you take home any awards or? Well, Jody, I'm going to tell you something I probably wouldn't admit. Like I was MVP of my football team my senior year. You but, were MVP? But, oh. oh, but here we go. Yeah, we were one in nine. So I say, you know, I was MVP of a team that really wasn't <laughs> very strong. Hey. That is perfectly fine. <laughs> well, I, I would hope to think, and I'm not a, I'm not a, I would consider myself a great athlete. I think I had some athletic talent, but I think when you have those kinds of awards, it talks about how you did the work as much as the work that you did. Um, did you, oh, did you leave well by said. example? Did you work hard? Uh, did you give the extra effort? You know, were you a leader uh, on the field and in the classroom and, respected by the the people around you. So for me, I think that was that was as as much for me that was especially as an adult looking back that that, that was as important as any athletic prowess that that I might have had or mm-hmm. not had. Okay, I got a question for you now. In schools, I do see a lot of these like little leagues and all of these things, little tyke footballs, all of that. And they never have a winner and they never have a loser and everybody gets a trophy. How do you feel about that? So that that's very interesting. I think it is important to acknowledge kids that participate, that go out and they're at practices, they're at games. There are sacrifices that you make by joining a team. So I like the recognition piece, but I, I also understand, I think very keenly that, that there are winners and losers when you when you have competition. So I like the competition. I like the recognition. I think, I, I think we... It sounds like I'm riding the fence, but ultimately, I think we ought to recognize and award kids for making the effort and being being on the team, acknowledge mm-hmm. that in some way. But I understand completely that it's it's very nice to have county champs and state champs. We've got we've got kids that compete at all levels, and it, it's really cool to be a part of the organization and see how well our kids have done. And we do have state and national champs. We actually had a rocketry team from. Creekview High School. That oh, was what? They, a rocketry. They built rockets. What? And they were the international champs at an international competition in Europe. They built a rocket. Shouldn't they be honored and recognized? Absolutely. How old? What, what grade so were So this was high school. So it's a high school team that it makes... It was. It was a high school this team. This is amazing. So it really has been. My... my uh, I'm now, this will be my 20th year at the district level. So I've been a part of a lot of recognitions and meetings and presentations. And you just, over this 20 years, you wouldn't believe how many students and adults that we've recognized for their excellence. Um, I, I think it's important to recognize when people set themselves apart and they're they're in a conversation of being the best. Maybe they didn't win like the national gold medal, uh, but they're a part of an elite group through their accomplishments. I think it's important to acknowledge that and to not not necessarily shy away from that because not everybody won the medal. I think it's important to celebrate. Uh, I think that's part of, of what you learn on team two. You, you, you take your losses, you, you learn how to deal with those lumps, but you have wins and you celebrate those and enjoy those and know that you've come together and done something great 
Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, individual sports gives that, they, they, it gives that to you as well. I think it's important to recognize that and to celebrate that. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to recognize kids for participating and putting themselves out there saying, I want to be a part of this. I want to be better. I want to be stronger, faster, smarter, uh, what, whatever the competition is. But, but then I think it's important to recognize those winners. Yeah, I think so too. I agree with you. I think, um, so often when I was playing sports as a, as a young person, I felt left out because we didn't, we, maybe we got third place. So somebody got a trophy, one trophy for the whole group, but it would have been nice to have just a little something, something to say, Hey, you were part of this. Or even if I ne- we didn't place in it, right. we would have gotten a little something, but the lessons you learn being a loser on the, on the field and then having to go and give high fives to everybody else and joking around with them and having fun with the winners. That to me is a lesson I would never give up. Right. A great article just last week. Cause I've, I've really, really tried to lean in on resiliency. I think if you could say, okay, Brian, as, as superintendent, what are, what are a couple of the life lessons you would want kids to learn? One of the traits, lessons that I would want our kids to to have is resiliency. Well, you can't have resiliency without hardship. Mm -hmm. So the article I read last week was about, is it impossible to lead a remarkable life without hardship? Because that the hardship or the trials or the the disappointments or the the trauma or the pain that that you may experience, you know, and it could be different. Obviously, there are different kinds of things that happen in our lives. Can you really experience remarkable without that? Because that's what makes your life remarkable: the overcoming, the winning, the succeeding, the the getting above the the hardships that life throw at you. Um, well, that's what conclu- really defines the, 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 the level of a remarkableness, um, when people do overcome. Right. Right. It seems like you, you can't get the full high if you don't get the full low. Right. You got to know the lows of the valley to enjoy the view from the top kind of thing. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. It reminds me of, of, uh, drugs for maybe depression or whatever, yeah. where they kind of keep you in the middle of the, the wave instead right. of getting the highs and the low peaks. People right. miss that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think it, I think it's important for you to, you know, again, um, understand that, that, that life is tough. Life can be very tough. It can deal you lots of disappointments. But that's a, another reason to really celebrate when you have, you know, success, whether it's, a, you know, for, for us, a, 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 an increase in pay or status or you get a new job or you get a promotion. Uh, you meet a new person, you, you have a, either your family or an extended family, you, you, you enjoy weddings and births of children and the things that happen in families, you join a group in, in like, uh, in, in your civic responsibilities where, you know, whether it's Rotary or Optimist and you do something great out there and you, it gets recognized, all of those things you're trying to plug into and to uh, give energy to and, and to, to lean into and be a part of, uh, you do something, stop and celebrate it. That's uh, right. I think that's very important. It is, yeah. Well, you were mentioning Rotary and things like that. Earlier, you mentioned you're involved with your church. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think that's been a, a big part of my story as well. Oh, well, do share. Well, so I grew up in church, and um, that, that, that's always been a part of my story. And um, 
even did in my college years, did some youth work. Um, you know, uh, for me, the, the whole reason I got into education was to really be around young people and to help influence their lives and, and be a part of their story. And so I did some youth work in, in my, my late teens, early 20s. And uh, have through, always through your church, and what church was that? So at that time, I was over here working uh, at Reinhardt, and I went to Hopewell Baptist. In fact, I met uh, in Joyce uh, Randy Grafley through that experience. Isn't my my wife and I we got married young, uh, very early, and as part of what we did is we ran a summer program for that church, and we would run a little bus shuttle and go around the community. It was in Sixes, uh, the Sixes community, and picked up kids who wanted to spend the day swimming or playing ball and having a little devotion, those kinds of activities. We did that three days a week. And then where would you take them? to? So, so we had different places that we would go to ball fields or pools. We did use the Reinhardt Pool at that time uh, where the Gordy Student Center sits. There used to be a pool. Really? So that campus has really changed through the years. And uh, so we would use their community pool and uh, other venues. We would go to ball games. We would go to plays. We would go to, to art shows. And we just tried to give those kids some exposures to things outside the Sixes community that they could enjoy for the summer. It was definitely a, a more of a recreation-style camp. But we also did some, like I said, devotions with them and those kinds of things to, to make sure that they had uh, uh, some center to, to what was going on for them. So that, that you know, for us, churches has been a, a big part of, of, of um, my life and my, my married life. We're currently in a plant church uh, that is now independent and called Generations Church. Uh, it's in the Canton area, in the Bluffs area, if you know the old oh. Sears. Uh, we're in that building, both top and bottom of that building. What's it called again? Generations. Generations. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things. It's almost, it kind of, uh, is somewhat related to, to what we've tried to do, even in the school organization that mm-hmm. our motto with, with the schools is that we're educating the emerging generation mm-hmm. and the it just so happens that the church kind of leaned in on that as well. And they basically say that we're trying to, to create and, and um, impact lives, but it's not just it, us, it's our children and our children's children. So, How many people are a member of that church? So or, I would or, say we probably, um, on any given Sunday, are averaging around 300 people. That's really good. No, it's solid. It, it, we, we have really enjoyed that. We have done the big church route, uh, but as, as, as uh, adults where we are now, we, we made a decision about 10 years ago. We want to plug into small and not just sit on a pew, but work. Mm-hmm. And again, be a part of small groups and home life groups and impact young leaders. Again, we're, we're a generation that's, you know, heading toward retirement. And what are we leaving behind? Are we a part of something that's, that's ultimately bigger than ourselves? And are mm-hmm. we preparing the folks who are going to lead behind us? Yes, well said. With Northside Hospital, you can look forward to new beginnings, look ahead to comeback seasons, and look up for hope and strength. Northside welcomes you into our community of care, guided by one clear direction, a mission to heal. Led by our expertise in maternity, heart, cancer, orthopedics, and more, 
you can move into tomorrow with confidence. For a healthier future together, look to Northside Hospital. Okay, we're going to switch gears a little bit here. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the school system right now. I know we have some construction going on, and there's some other big news that you might want to share. Sure. No, um, this year has been a very, very eventful year for the school district. Uh, obviously, we were uh, in, still in somewhat in the middle of a pandemic. We had a couple of, of surges of uh, COVID-19 or the variants. We started the year with Delta uh, variant and its impact on us, uh, as well as uh, the Omicron variant that came along in December, January, February. So we definitely were trying to act like we were in an endemic, but we were dealing with with real life pandemic issues. So um, I, I just want to say kudos to our schools and to the teams that lead those schools uh, because they were leaning forward with us, trying to grow and to do some things that would help us and at the same time deal with the demands and the health management issues that you have uh, being in a pandemic. We stayed, as you know, in a face-to-face environment for the two years, we did offer a, a virtual digital digital offering uh, to to students that wanted to do that. But at the same time, you know, our I felt like as as a CEO and superintendent of the organization, we needed to find a way to continue to grow and to move forward. How does a school district move forward in the middle of a worldwide tam- pandemic? So uh, those challenges were very real, but we we did continue to to lean forward and to work hard on the different work products that would continue to prep us. We believe we're in a fast growing area. We're sitting at 42,000 kids. Um, 42,000 students from K through 12. 42,000 kids, K-12. Um, but at the same time, all of the, the, the predictors say that we'll at some point be at 50 and then 60 mm-hmm. and 70,000. So in how much time are we looking at? So there? we're probably looking at a 20 to 30 year span, but how do you take the, the, the successes that you're experiencing at that size at a 40,000 size and, 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 and scale them so that, that you look as successful at 50, 60 and 70,000. So there are some definite challenges that we as leadership took on and, and tried to continue to move forward. And, and we, ha- we had some just phenomenal things occur this year. Uh, you probably heard through local media or presentations that uh, our school board and governance team was honored as the governance team of the year for the state for large districts. That's amazing. Which, which was really feat. cool. Which was really cool. Um, for the whole state. For the whole state. Uh, Did that, that have something to do with the fact that you continued to be open uh, during the pandemic? I think there was a piece of that. Uh, they they wanted to look and see how successful we were. And, and ultimately, not only were we successful in staying open, but we also... Um, met the need of the the students that were digital uh that first year when covid was alive and nobody knew very much about it uh, other than we saw numbers across the world where people were were dying from from this virus uh, we had about nine thousand of our students that opted to to go digital so you, we really were running two school districts at the same time but you think uh, in the U.S., uh, most school districts, believe it or not, are in the three to 5,000 
size range. We have a lot across oh. America. We have a lot of smaller school districts. We really had two large districts that we were running yeah. simultaneously. So, so I think the state did look at that, but they also looked at um, programming. They looked at innovation. They looked at, are you concentrating on continuous improvement? Uh, have you met some markers and do you have metrics that would show that you're successful and we hit all of that um, and so uh they recognized us as a as the large district winner and so we were extremely proud of that because it really is a validation of not just hard work but smart work uh, it, it is a marker of kids doing well adults doing well people leading with integrity and transparency uh with forethought and an intentionality a purposefulness. Uh, for me, there was a validation across many fronts, and uh, so we we kind of gloated on that. Um, it had it, it's an award that our association. We have a, a, a Georgia School Board Association. It is only four years in existence, but the big winners have been folks like Gwinnett, who's our state's one big mega district. Is They're, Gwinnett the largest? It is. Okay. It's it's in mega district status. It's a hundred and eighty thousand students. So, oh gosh. so do they it, only have one superintendent. They do have one superintendent and a five member board, uh, but they got lots of principals, lots of schools, lot of structure. Oh so they had won, but also for Scythe and Fayette, which are, are pretty much for us, we consider them sister districts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spend a lot of time uh, networking with them and going to see their stuff and they come to see our stuff. And we, they're, they're districts that are much like us. Uh, Forsyth is the seventh largest district. We're the, the ninth. Mm-hmm. We're, we're very close to them in size. Fayette is the wealthiest district. Uh, really? It's a little bit smaller. Uh, it's only about 21,000 students, but it's south of the airport. If you know that area, it's, it's largely professional. Um, we call it the airport runover. A lot of folks that, that work for Delta and other airlines choose to live in proximity on the south side. So they, they tend to, to land in Fayette. Uh, it's a pretty wealthy district. Like I said, mm-hmm. it's the wealthiest in Georgia. Um, their one marker, I was talking to their superintendent literally last week, and he talked about some of their student lots. They've adapted their student lots so that they not just have student cars, but they have the golf carts. It's a golf oh. cart community. So a lot of their students go to school in the in the family golf cart, <laughs> the, the, you know, that's required. Oh, that's to have, something so fun. Yeah, blinkers and lights on their golf cart, and they go work on their calculus, just like our kids. So, oh my um, we we've enjoyed getting to know them and to see their the the job that they're doing for kids in their community. So to be in that grouping, mm-hmm. uh, we thought was was really pretty cool. Uh, it, it it was a validation of a lot of work. Uh, to make sure that we're putting forth a, a what I would think is a great product for our community. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently it paid off. So that we had yeah. that. So I just want to get this straight too. You have there's small school district, right. and then you said we're a large school district. We're large, mm-hmm. and then there's mega. There, there's a mega district status. Um, some states, a lot of states are have nothing but smalls. Okay. Three to 5,000 or five to 7,000. Florida is a, a, a state that has some big mega districts like our Gwinnett, um, Miami-Dade County, Fort Lauderdale-Broward, um, Tampa, Hill, uh, Hillsborough. Those, those districts all have in excess of 200 to 250,000 kids in them. Oh my goodness. So some, some states are organized like mm-hmm. that. We're, we are organized to, 
to bring that forward if it were to happen, if we had the kind of growth that, that, that Florida has experienced um, through our county systems, if our counties were to grow. Um, you got to understand. Was, how, how many students were in the system when you started here? So that's really, that's a really, what I think is a pretty cool part of my story. I, having been here so long, this is heading now toward year 37. Um, we were at 14,000 kids. So uh-huh. we've tripled in my career. Uh, but it also is really Cherokee story. We were sl- uh, sleepy and rural, yeah. and now we're suburban. And we're, I wouldn't say we're cosmopolitan, but I would say that we're suburban. We're kind of on a second ring. And I will tell you, Jody, that a lot of times when I'm speaking to groups, I'll say that uh, that we're really still like the little kid at the big kid table. Uh, the districts right to our south and our east that are that first ring around Atlanta, Fulton, DeKalb, Cobb, Gwinnett, they all have 100,000 or more. And then you've got this second ring of, of systems like the, the Fayettes, the Forsyths, the Cherokees, the Paldings that are all growing because of our Atlanta sprawl. Mm-hmm. But we're on that second ring and we compete with those larger districts for families. We compete with them for talent, for our teachers. And so it is a big challenge because now I'm tasked with growing a district while we compete for teachers where, like, we will have a job fair. We have our own job fair every spring, and we normally have about six to 700 people come. Well, Gwinnett could take that whole 700 and hire every single one of them in a year. They need, that's the kind of turnover they have with their size. We normally have a turnover of about 225 to two. 50, maybe 275. So we're looking every year for an, an, a, a, a lot of new faces, a lot of fresh faces. And we're competing, though, with even like Cobb at, a, at 110,000 kids. Yeah. They need lots of teachers. Fulton yeah. needs lots of teachers. And those, those districts are wealthier than us. Uh, especially on the the local property tax digest side where you would really dress up. You would take the state salary schedule and you would dress it up with a local supplement. Those two counties have strong economics. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, They have strong meal rates and and, uh, strong uh, revenue. And so I think think to our benefit, it's part of our story that we've really gotten in there and competed with them for Mm -hmm. talent. And, and done great things. We have some great teachers and leaders here, and the kids and our families have benefited from it. And so it, it's a little bit of a chicken and egg. Did the kids get here and we have to answer the bell, or did they become because of, they yeah. come because of us? And I think it's a little bit of both. Cherokee's a great place to be. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to live. But uh, there are a couple of things that draw them, and public safety is one. Public health is another when you think about our hospital mm-hmm. and the structures we have there. And then public education, I would put as number one. I'm sorry to, to Sheriff Reynolds <laughs> and to, to Billy Hayes and his Northside team. Uh, I think that we've been a, an economic driver for yeah. our community because kids can come here and get a great education, have lots of choices. Uh, at the end of the year, when we're shipping out transcripts, um, we're really we're sending them all over the nation. We sent transcripts to over 400 colleges and universities last year so for me that tells me as as ceo that we've got kids that have choices they can go and do and reach out and really extend themselves into areas 
uh, and have opportunities that drive them as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, when you don't have many choices, maybe you have the potential of being stuck in a dead-end job. Well, at this point, if you're stuck in a dead-end job in something that you don't like, I don't think necessarily that we put you there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've created programming and academics to give kids choices and opportunities. So we really like that. We, we see that as a point of pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so, many, so many things going through my head right now. First of all, I want to know, are we fully staffed for the beginning of the school year? Sure, we're in great shape. I wouldn't say like 100% across the, the, the bow we've got teachers because we'll even have teachers report to us. Teachers report in about three weeks, and we'll have teachers roll in and say, okay, you know, I've had the summer, especially uh, we, you know, our industry is a lot of young females Mm -hmm. and thinking young females, you're thinking family and having children and starting families. And we'll have teachers that will walk in and say, you know, I thought I was going to be able to do it and leave the baby elsewhere, but you know what, we've just talked it through and I'm going to stay home. So, so we, there'll be some vacancies so you, if people are you, still looking for it. You'll have vacancies all through the summer and you know, Atlanta, it's a high transition area. Uh, it's a hub for a lot of sales, uh, a lot of uh, hub for technology and business. So you also have movement in the summer based on the spouse work. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe one spouse is in corporate America and one spouse is uh, is teaching and maybe teaching for us. So you'll have some movement created because of those kinds of things that are just, for me, they're organic and they're real life. So we we normally start fully staffed at a, or staffed at about a 99%, just based on a few mm-hmm. little strays uh, that, that have to be cleaned up within the first couple of weeks of school. So we're, we're sitting at about 99 right now. That's pretty amazing. So, I think that's a real comfortable place. It Sounds is. like it's it is. a realistic place for right. us. Uh, we, we do have districts around us that sometimes will, will indicate that they're 200 or 300 teachers short. And that's a, for again, looking at it as a CEO, that's a real dangerous place, I think, for an organization to say to your community, you know, we want to do right by your kid, but they're going to have a long-term sub here to start the year. Yeah. And we've heard of, of situations where kids had long-term subs the entire year in a, oh. in a course. And so um, for us to compete in the job market for, for great teachers and leaders, uh, to for us to be as staffed as we are, um, for, for me, has been an important piece, but also a point of pride. And I, I will say that we work hard to, to pay our teachers well. Uh, a starting teacher will start this year at $49,000. We're talking zero experience, but they're a professional. They've, they've gotten a four-year degree. Some of that is because because of the pull of 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 our neighbors, our Cobbs and our Fulton and the cabs, mm-hmm. the, the pay is just a little bit higher even mm-hmm. because they're trying to attract teachers in and our test scores are beating them so they've got to keep up with us that's right right and that sometimes it means them with Cherokee well it means that they've got to come in and rob us a little bit or take (laughs) potential teachers that that we would like to have and so I have to on one hand uh, balance the fact that we've got a good fill rate so we shouldn't have to pay too much to keep people here but then you got competition, so you got to stay in that the the salary ball game too. Want people having to make a decision. Well, yeah. exactly, or you don't want to be so far off the mark and counting on the fact that people want to live in Cherokee or be here 
because we do see people that want to be here and they live here, but they teach elsewhere. We want them to be able to stay here and to provide for their family. Yeah. So it, it's quite a balancing act for the board. You know, you could sit as a board member and say, well, well we've got a 99% rate. Why are you asking for a raise for teachers? You got to stay in the salary game. You got to sure. stay stay in competition and be healthy, mm-hmm. uh, and and have a reason for folks to to not just be a part of your organization but stay there. Um, our 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 uh, experience rate, I think, is in a great place when you look across the span from people with zero experience to people with thirty years. They're at the end of their career. Our average experience is fifteen. No, kidding. so it's a great balance of the that Wally vet. As, as well as that hungry young teacher. It's a great balance. That's, that For us, we are always at about 14, 15, 16 years of experience. What's the story on no turnover? Somebody that sure. stays in the uh, school system for a long time. So one metric that, that I really look at is how many of your teachers have a graduate degree? Because let's say that I get into teaching and I either do it the traditional way or even an alternative cert way. Um, I'm going to give it a try. Uh, at the point where I'm willing to go and get a master's in that area and do that extra college work, that really says to me that person's committed to the industry, to the organization. They, they want to stay in this. And right now, 72% of our professional staff has a graduate degree, has a wow. master's or better. So for me, that's huge. You know, again, looking at it as a CEO, do I have a stable workforce? We do. We're mm-hmm. pretty stable, and people want to stay in education. Now, as a parent, that would say to me, I've got great teachers. They're committed to their craft. They're adding degrees. They want to be better. Uh, they're stable. They're going to be here for a while. So across several fronts, when you look at those kind of metrics, I think it's encouraging for our community. Yes. Probably all reasons why you won the big award. I think staff stability is a big piece. Again, it wasn't just one metric. Uh, you ask about did our response to the pandemic put us put us in a position? I think it was it was yes and more. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of great metrics. Uh, just this year, we we recorded our highest SAT and SACT scores <gasps> for our high that? school That's seniors. So the ACT score was a 23-3 or a 23-2. Out of what's the top? So um, you want to get to a 30, Mm -hmm. but now we're talking about every kid that took it. Um, The average put together Mm -hmm. was was a 23-2, and that was our highest. And the the SAT, I don't know it offhand, but it set the highest mark ever for our county. Oh, that's fantastic. So again, the kids are doing well. Your adults are doing well. It looks by all appearances and all the metrics that your organization is stable. And so um, not only did we, we use those kind of metrics to, to do well in the, the, the competition that we were in for governance team of the year, but we also had an accreditation visit this year. And that, mm. for a community, that's one of the largest markers that, that you can have. It's just huge to be accredited. Mm. And we use a national and actually an international company to do that. Uh, it, uh, you, when we were growing up, it was called SACS. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. So then it, it was it was merged with another company and became Sachs Cassie. And then five years ago when they came through, they had been bought by a company called Advanced Ed. So we had an Advanced Ed uh, review. And now the company is called Cognia. Cognia is an international accrediting company. 
They have metrics on schools and school districts across the globe. In fact, the person who was over ours, our Georgia guy, gave us a tough team. The Georgia guy gave us a really tough team. The head of all of South Carolina was our lead uh, reviewer. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, oh, man, (laughs) you know, this guy's going to look in every nook and cranny because he knows he knows where, you know, weaknesses can go and hang out together. Right. So, um, you know. We, we've we've said to our community unabashedly that we're a great district, that we think we're a leader in Georgia. Well, now, you know, it was time to to to, to prove it. And so we, we got thrown up. What I thought was a very difficult team, a very, very capable team. Mm-hmm. They were not onerous. They were not mean. They were not ugly. They were very thorough and asked lots of questions and wanted to see lots of metrics and lots of documents. And I'm happy to report back to you that we got the highest score we had ever gotten from an accreditation company. Um, Five years ago, when Advanced Ed came through, uh, they gave us a 315. Now, that number wouldn't mean much to you, but it's a lot of little scores put together on a rubric. They're going to score you from a one to four on lots of different things. And the the previous time, five years ago, we got lots of threes. Uh, They said, which meant we see it, but it needs time to mature. Right. You're doing a lot of great things, but it needs to like sit on the, sit on the stove and simmer and and to really cook for a while so that we know that it's not just comprehensive, but that it's uh, embedded, that it's a part of who you are and what kids are doing. So those threes this time turned into fours. So the the, the 315 became a 378. (gasps) Uh, which in their scale is just knock them out of the park. So we had to knock them you out of the park. A, you have a big number to try and meet next time. It's going to be very challenging. There were 31 standards that ultimately we were judged on. And on the 31, 28 were perfect fours. And, the, oh my and so the other three were threes with, oh. we see it. We know you have it. It just needs to be a little bit stronger. Yeah. It needs to work. And those were actually areas that we said to them when they came in, we had to do a lot of self uh, needs assessments, mm-hmm. a lot of self evaluation, self assessment. And these were all areas that we saw, we said to them, we think we need to do a better job here. Yeah. So being self aware, I think people will give you a lot of credit when you can say, hey, I'm doing XYZ really well. Um, and people say, well, what do you need to work on? Well, you know, let's just glory in what we're doing well. Um, we, we, in, in a spirit of continual improvement, we want to do better. We want to be better this year than we were the previous year. And we want our teachers to perform better. We want our kids to perform better. And so the, the, the things that they pointed out were all things that we had gotten started but needed time to mature. And so we're not ashamed of that. We're, we're actually proud that we have those as part of our story and part of, our, of what we do in our programming, uh, both curricular and extracurricular. Uh, we're just looking forward to how we expand those and have big plans this year to expand and, and to be better and to be stronger there. So. Oh, yeah. We want to get into that about what what is to come, what are some things that are changing. Um, but I do have a question going back a little bit here. You were talking about how many students had their transcripts sent to colleges and universities. Is that right? That's correct. Is that how about the changing sort of paradigm of having more skilled workers and the be proud, be proud that our community is so lucky to have. Yeah. I know we worked hard for it. I don't know if it's luck, but we have a great program with the, with co-ed uh, Cherokee office of economic development 
be pro, be proud. Is that something that has helped your students? Absolutely. Absolutely. Of those 400, they're not all research institutions. They're not all big universities. A lot of those are are colleges. Uh, We've got a great example locally of the Chattahoochee Technical College. Mm -hmm. We send a lot of kids through there for certifications and degrees, and we're very proud of those partnerships. Not every student uh, needs to go to a big university or even a small university. Uh, we, we think in terms of if you're going to college, you're successful, and if you're not, if you have to go to the workforce, then maybe you're not successful. I think that paradigm is finally shifting, and we're glad. We, you know, it's one thing for me to sit here and say 80% of our students go to college, you know, I would want to know how many of that 80% stayed in college. Yes. You know, that's it. so making good choices on the front end. So we try to do, we've tried to do a, a much better job of guidance and opportunities uh, to explore for, for kids. The whole Be Pro, Be Proud is about getting kids to explore and explore early. Uh, get, them, get them in the middle school age looking at different uh work skills and, and mm-hmm. opportunities they, they might have. I mean, we sit here today, we know that our HVAC workers, our plumbers, our auto techs, our ground operations in air, our computer science kids, they're, they're doing well. They're doing something that they love and they're making good money. Uh, they are supporting their family with it. Yeah. Um, we just this past year, uh, one of our first, this, you know, that I, that I like to point back to is we started our College and Career Academy. We started with one pathway, and it was cybersecurity. So at the end of the year, the kids have an opportunity to take an accreditation test, and they can leave with a high school graduation and that test, a successful score on the test, and they can go right into six digits. Okay. Are you So first year of the program, we pull this out, and we had heard the previous year that Fulton and Forsyth have that program, and one kid out of their pathway each one kid had passed that test, which is phenomenal. So our first year we had seven kids pass no the test. No way. So, you know, again, oh my goodness, again, we're talking amazing. about choices. We're talking yeah. about opportunities for kids. So this is year two. We're rolling out um, air support programs, aeronautics, and there's going to be two separate sub pathways there. Uh, one is going to be uh, certification toward unmanned flight drones. Oh. And then the second is ground operations. And if you've tried to fly recently, ground operations and logistics, they've really been hurting. I mean, we've seen uh, people canceling flights, but it's not just because of pilots and stewardesses. It's about people on the ground, logistics people, the tug people, all of these, all of these guys out there, women out there holding the. Who's, who's packing your, or whatever? Who's, who's organizing operations at the airport? Who's working luggage? They're hurting there is just as much. So we, we think that this is going to be a good pathway for us. Again, this will be year one of, of rolling there. So we keep leaning in and creating pathways. And all of our high schools have really created some great uh, pathway opportunities. Um, I will tell you that we range kind of between every school's a little bit different. We, we all have some of the, the, the common pathways, but, but we're looking at over 35 pathways at some of our schools. Wow. That's so, amazing. so kids really do you, when you think prepping them for college and university, I think we're doing a stand up job there, but our, our game is pretty strong on the, the whole vocational career technical end as well. We've really come a long way. 
good. Uh, there. So wonderful. We got a lot of people we're going to see in the workforce real soon then in your school system. We're, we're trying to, we have, we think that it's been important for us to be at the table when you mm-hmm. talk about uh, co-ed and the, the workforce collaboration group. Uh, it's been important for us to be at the table and to hear from our industries. Um, we know that uh, HVAC is a little bit light in our community. In fact, we've, we've been in lots of discussions even with Chattahoochee Tech because our Canton campus up in the Bluffs has an HVAC lab, but not a lot of courses right now, not a lot of kids going through that pathway. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about unique partnerships. Um, they have just partnered with us on the uh, health occupation end, and they have some of their team that's going to be teaching our kids and by their team teaching it uh, and having a certified secondary course, our kids can have a higher, better, stronger certification. Uh, there's some some hoops that we have to, to jump through as far as who's teaching the course, how much uh, intern time, how much lab clinical time do they have for our kids to, to get some of the highest certs. And it's called a CNA uh, um, certification. Uh, but our partnership with Chattahoochee Tech, where they provide us with the professor to teach the course, will give our kids more opportunity to get get that pathway knocked out. So Wonderful. we've we've got some great partnerships in the community and with our secondary uh, universities and colleges uh, to give kids those that leg up. Well, it's becoming very clear why you're winning the big awards in the schools, st- or why our school district is winning such big awards. Well, I'll tell you, I I will. Tell anybody that I speak with, I have a great team. Uh, I've got a very smart team and a hardworking team, and they're they're very thoughtful and strategic and intentional. And uh, we we together uh, with the total support and input from the board, we've driven forward great programming. And I, I just love that the the state has has seen that and honored that. I will tell you this within the the whole board award piece that. We didn't jump right into the governance team of the the year award. We actually won it on our first application. Oh. What we did was we went through uh, a schedule of awards through them where our board was actually honored each year for the last three years as being a board of excellence, of of notoriety, of of distinction. They they got three awards that led up to ultimately us getting that. And the uh the Georgia School Board Association also created a, an award they called Leading Edge, and it was just about innovation. And so we've entered that the last three years and won awards. And there Wonderful. you put you put a program in front of them and say, we think this is an innovative program, and we're really proud of it and, and the work that goes into it. And they agreed. So not only has our board won the biggie for Georgia, but they've won really everything that Georgia has offered and even going back 15, 17 years, we've, we've entered some of our programs in for national awards. It's called a Magna Award. And we won two national awards at the school board level. You wow. know? And when you think through all the awards the kids have, have, have won, uh, some of it's because of the work that the board has done. We've got a, we've got a board that, that uh, has really concentrated on leading uh, with integrity, mm-hmm. uh, leading toward uh, in results and again, creating something great for the community. I think our board's done a great, great job. We've got two board members that will be rolling off at the end of the year. 
that have a meritorious service. Mike Chapman will be rolling off. He will have served 19 years. He wow. actually took over a, a, an expired term, uh, an unexpired term for a board member. Uh, who had to leave and has served multiple terms, now five, basically five terms. We had another board member, Clark Menard, who is rolling off after two terms and eight years. All of our board members have multiple terms. And again, so when you think through, you've got a strategic group that worked very hard, has created good budgets and good programmings, and they're staying put. Stability, I think that that was another marker yeah. that both our, uh, our uh, accreditation group saw but also the awarding group saw. Many of our children experience trauma. We now know from scientific evidence that trauma impacts the development of the brain and changes the developmental trajectory of young minds. This can lead to elevated behaviors including aggression, anxiety, oppositional behaviors, and withdrawal from family and friends. This is why it may seem that children from hard places sometimes have more challenging behaviors than their peers. Too often, we try to focus on addressing these behaviors when they are often our best clues into what the children or teens really need. Their pain, fear, and behaviors often point us to the needs below the surface. As parents and caregivers, we want to reduce fear and build trust, giving our children our full attention through eye contact, turning towards them, and placing our phones down. Let's them know that they are heard and valued. When able, caregivers should try to share power with their children and involve them in the process of decision-making. This will reinforce the adult's authority while building connection and trust at the same time. These are just a few of the principles foster parents at Goshen Homes are taught through trust-based intentional intervention. To learn more about trust-based intentional intervention, visit child.tcu.edu. This message is brought to you by Goshen Valley, Goshen Homes, and specifically Goshen Therapeutic Services. If you have room in your home and heart to foster children, visit fosterwithgoshen.org. There's some construction going on, is that right? We do. We, as part of last year, we also passed a, a SPLOS referendum, and we will start borrowing on that, and we have some great builds in our future. Uh, our two marquee builds uh, over the next five years will be a replacement Cherokee. Uh, Cherokee is in a dated building, and we have done some renovation over there and done some things for them to keep it up. But Cherokee High, by the time we get that building built, it will be their original building will be almost 75 years old. And wow. th that's very costly. It's also uh, tough to, to, to fit kids in. Uh, the FTEs and the number of kids you have in classes and in labs has changed over the years. So uh, we have worked very hard to create new schools. And in fact, we went through a 15-year span where we built or renovated 19 schools. Mm -hmm. So that was when we were in our crush and really growing. We have tried very hard to not have our especially our municipalities who have had a traditional flagship school to, to be left out. And so Cherokee deserves a new school, just like we built in our other locations. We have six. Where is it going to be built? So it's going to be in the bluffs. We have the property. It's on Martin Luther King Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And it literally will run from one corner, which is over by the Sears building side, all the way over to the other side where you have uh, shops and restaurants, and I'm thinking mm -hmm. sidelines and 
RCB. RCB mm-hmm. and that side. There's a Goodyear store over there. There's new hotels there too, or is there not? New hotels will be down the street. So that's going to be the Cherokee site. And what is the, I assume you have sort of an estimate of population of students in that school. Sure. How many will that hold? So it will hold about 3,500 kids. It's a, it's going to be a big high Compared school. Compared to what do we have now? In- so they're running at 2950, but you'll also remember we couldn't fit them all into the existing Cherokee. So we actually temporarily closed Canton, dispersed those students so that we could use that facility that we call Cherokee North. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's just, with growth, we've, we've just had to, to do that. We all have extended campuses at Etowah, which they also are in the original Chapman Elementary. It's mm-hmm. Etowah East, Cherokee, I mentioned, but then at Sequoia, they took the original Dean Rusk Middle, and that's now Sequoia East. So we've had to just be creative where we had buildings together to make sure to house our students. Our, our But the sports teams are, remain one. I mean, it's not like correct. we have two different teams. That's correct. Okay. No, mm-hmm. it's one united school there. It's just mm-hmm. we needed the additional classroom space. But the, the nice thing that those three high schools enjoy is that you also have additional cafeteria space, media space, um, a, a, a locker space, yeah. classroom. It's really about the classrooms, but you get all of that additional infrastructure as well. So when do we expect the new Cherokee to be ready? So we are shooting for August of 25 or possibly January of 26 within that school year. Um, it's, it's so long. I want I know, it tomorrow. Well, well, it's a 30 to 36 month build when oh you have goodness. that a campus that large because it's also, you know, parking uh, facilities for athletics uh, road and gutter infrastructure. Uh, it, it's a big build. It will be a multi-story building. Oh. The academic wing will will be multi-story. So is, there's just a lot. We're still in divi- design phase. Is it going to be the first skyscraper here in Canada? Uh, no, it will sit. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it will sit up on a nice little knoll. I think we'll be able to see it. And of course, we we want it to look sharp too. Now we're not we're not building you know some kind of a glass and crystal uh, uh, facility for everybody in the county to see, but we we want them to have nice, just like we've built nice in other locations. So I think it, I think the citizens will be very proud of it. Um, of course, we're building, uh, trying to build in a time where uh, inflation is unbelievable, uh, supply is very challenging. So we're going to have to be very strategic in that build. And so we're, you know, that's a, that's really our marquee flagship build, but I don't want to downplay the fact that we're building a new replacement free home as well. Mm -hmm. Tell Um, us about that. Where's that going to be? So right now it sits on a small postage stamp parcel that's right edged up to highway 20. Uh, the, The road is almost in its doorway now. And as the road expands, it will just engulf that campus so we've bought a piece of property around the corner uh so uh literally the back fields would almost touch oh uh, there's one small parcel between the current parcel and the and and the, the current facility in the in the future school so we want to get that one started as well we've got a, a separate architectural firm working on that design as well. When is that going to, that didn't break ground? We want to, we're hoping to break ground at the end of the year. So it would be in 23, Mm -hmm. you know, once we, we pull over, it would be spring of of 23 calendar shift. So we want to get both of those, those jobs started pretty quickly. We also have an instructional unit that we want to build at Woodstock that will be 
pretty quick as well. That I would say that will be 23-24. An instructional unit. Uh, a wing, an, an additional. Oh, to, and, yeah. and, oh you're going to add on to Add on to the school. Right now, they utilize some, some mobiles on their campus, oh. but also next door at uh, Woodstock Middle are some mobiles, and they're using both sets of those mobiles. We want to replace that with permanent housing for classrooms That there. sounds like a good deal. All of our high schools are big. I, I don't know what you experienced when you were going through high school. My high school was not very large. How many in your graduating class, you recall? So 125. And so, I beat you. I think we had 91. <laughs> okay. But see, now we're marching across uh, anywhere from 450 to 650. I can remember at one point, one. Uh, our largest high school at, at that time was going to be Woodstock, and they were popping 1,800. And it was like, oh my gosh, an 1,800 <laughs> you know, student uh, school. Right now, our high schools are all between two and 3,000. Oh my all gosh. All six. So we built them big. They're expensive builds, so economically it makes sense to build them big, fill them up, and so we've we've tried to do that. What's going to happen with the old Canton High School? So the original Cherokee Cherokee High, we would like to move our College and Career Academy into that. Ah. So we're building the pathways. Currently they're there on the original campus for uh, Teasley, Mm -hmm. but we would like that to be a center. We would take... The school that we absorbed, Canton Elementary, and made it Cherokee North, we would reconstitute Canton and bring those kids back. Okay. So, again, we've got, we've got capacity and space for our elementaries, bring them back, and then use the main campus for a number of things. We've been approached by a number of folks that would like to partner and use space, uh, Chattahoochee Tech, Reinhardt, uh, City of Canton. The county has expressed some interest in Everybody pieces of the a, campus. Everybody wants a well, piece of the it's pie. A, over there. It's a great piece of real estate and it's a great location. And you've got an existing building uh, that we make and repurpose and use. Mm-hmm. Uh, pull down the everyday wear and tear. It, you know, it's expensive to think about 3,000 kids on that campus and maintaining the campus, but we, you can still utilize your older buildings for, with programs that maybe don't dem- have as much demand on sure. them on a day-to-day basis. So sure. we're very excited. We're going to repurpose. Uh, I think we owe it to the, to the, to the uh, taxpayers to, to use every piece of real estate that we've got to its fullest. And so I'm uh, very excited about that as well. So as you can see, we've got, we've, we've had some great things. I think we've, we've, we've got a, a great story that we're writing, mm-hmm. but there's still chapters to, to be written. And so um, I, I think it's a, a credit to the board and future board members, as well as our leaders and our future leaders that uh, I think you're going to hear about Cherokee. It's going to be on the educational map and a leader in Georgia for a long time um, that people want to know what Cherokee thinks and how Cherokee operates, uh, because uh, I am the superintendent uh, and representing Cherokee, it's, it's been a lot of fun the last few years to be on certain advisory boards. I sit on a, an advisory board for the state superintendent, for the current governor, and even our accreditation body. Uh, again, it's not about me. It's Those about are the some fact, high honors. Well, it's, and again, it's really not about me. It's about Cherokee being at the table. Mm-hmm. So I grab all of those opportunities, and I talk to the board about, hey, I've been asked to do this, and I think it would be a good thing for us to do, for us to be in the room. Sure. And so that, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. What's your biggest challenge for the coming year? Biggest challenge for, for us is um, coming out. It's really we, we, we talk about endemic, but it's really about post-pandemic issues that linger. Uh, the, the whole thought from the workforce side 
that we had a, the great resignation occur during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's a reality, and that's a challenge that we are going to face as a public institution um, with folks that are tired, they're fatigued, and maybe they want to do something else. Uh, we saw it across the nation. There, there, there. It's really a, a little bit of a perfect storm. We have less people graduating from teacher prep programs, and we also have uh, baby boomers and even older millennials that are starting to retire. And at the same time, you've got this fatigue piece. And so we're- So although we're at 99%, that could become one of the big hurdles. Sure. And we don't want to rest on our laurels, but just because we're at 99% this year doesn't give us any guarantees about next year. So we've talked about dealing with post-pandemic and really trying to proactive as we possibly can to see what we can do as an institution at the school level and the district level to make life a little bit easier on teachers. There, there is uh, concerns about lost planning because they're doing training or they're covering classes for teachers that were ill. They went through two years of where they, you know, when I say answer the bell, they went over and beyond mm-hmm. to make sure that, that their, stay, their school was stable and that kids were learning. They created just tremendous environments for kids to, to have them continue to, to move forward. So we, we want to make their job easier, and we want to work with our parents. We, we see some issues even with our, our students coming out of the pandemic. I wouldn't call it a malaise or an apathy, but there isn't a sense of urgency with kids uh, right now. Uh, we see some of their work skills and some of their coping skills. A sense skills. of urgency. What do you mean by that exactly? So we, we want our kids to move, and we've, we have a certain pace that we want to see them move through, uh, mastering of content so that they can move through in, at a quicker pace. It's just been a marquee of what we as a district have done. We've moved our kids, and we've moved them fast. Mm-hmm. And then you have the pandemic come, and you have lo- lost learning opportunities. And so now you want to try to catch that that student up. Maybe they're a little bit – they've been at grade level, but now they're not at grade level. So you want to catch them up to the grade level, but also do this year's work. So right, it's almost right. like there's been this stressor there for our teachers to to catch them up and to, to get them through – your course, you know, you're teaching a course for the year, but they came in with, with, with fewer of the skills mastered. You want to go back and grab that and do your course. So that's a real stressor for teachers. So there's lots of things in that realm that we want to answer. There's some things that we want to see improvement on our students. There's things that we want to do better as leaders. And so we're, we got an upcoming leadership symposium that we do to kind of kick off our year and get everybody back in the fold. Uh, from the leadership standpoint, and we're going to emphasize that it's a wellness piece, but it's what does it take to to make us well? And let's make sure that we're not doing things that would take us in the opposite direction. Let's don't be the problem. Let's be the solution for our for our teachers. Um, without calling it the year of the teacher, there's going to be a lot of things that we decide that we're going to do together uh, that will hopefully positively impact teaching and teachers in general and make them stronger um, and and better and more well uh, as they do their craft because they are to be celebrated. I'm telling you, they're the real heroes through all of the pandemic uh, that that we saw and the the extra struggles. There were there were things that we had to do and we had to pivot and be able to be nimble enough to to shift and to do new things and require new things. 
when it came down to it, it was about it ultimately had to occur in the schools and yes, in the classroom. In the classroom so they are real heroes. You know, when when it first when 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 COVID first hit and we talked through uh, how first responders and our healthcare workers were our heroes. Uh, teachers were listed in that group, and mm-hmm. I think rightfully so. And so we just want to make sure and take care of them this year and to maybe see if there aren't some ways we can take a little little off of them. But that 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 in itself takes intentional strategic work mm-hmm. on on the part of leadership at the school and the district level. Well, I'm I'm glad you pointed them out as being heroes because you're absolutely right. Well, don't go far. Okay. We're going to wrap this up, but first, before you go, we're going to do some quickie questions. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, here we go. All right. Okay. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Tea. Cold or hot? Cold. Window or aisle seat on a plane? Aisle. Ice cream or potato chips? Potato chips. Favorite flavor? Cheddar cheese. Cheddar cheese, pota- ruffles or no ruffles? Ruffles. Got to have uh-huh. ridges. All right. You know what you're getting by from all the teachers on teacher day? Salty. <laughs> salty. Extra salty. What's the last book you read? Let's see. I've got three going right now. Okay. I read the one that I have just completed was Dave Grohl's autobiography. Who's Dave Grohl? Uh, excuse me, but I may be the only superintendent that knows Dave Grohl's birthday. Uh, Foo Fighters. <laughs> oh, Foo Fighters. <laughs> Which, Look at that. Right. No. Pop culture. I'm just not, I, I've missed it. Without children, you don't no, have much pop culture. I understand culture. completely. All right. What's your favorite book of all time? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Oh, I know that one. I did read that one. What's your favorite sport to watch? Football. Favorite team? Georgia. Yeah, I, I've kind of gotten cold on pro football lately. So yeah, love to watch the dogs. Do you? Good for you. Uh, what's your favorite vacation spot? See, so I'm a beach and a mountain person. Um, oh. So, I've, yeah, we've had some great. So we did Costa Rica this year, which was a lot of fun. So that was a newbie for me. But that, I could see it becoming a, a favorite. Yeah, that's kind of beach and mountain, right? Although I will, I will tell you, probably the coolest, like most different vacation, I think Iceland. In you, the winter. Oh my, so in that the was winter. really that was really fun. Did you see some northern lights? So it was overcast and snowy and sleety every night. So we chased them and never could see them. But oh that was okay. Goodness. It gives you a reason to go back. That's right. See, take 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 lemons and make lemonade. I think that's a bucket list for me, Iceland. Who's somebody that has inspired you? Oh, you know, I've had some great mentors along the way, and I really am one of these people that uh, believe we, we we stand on the shoulders of others. I had a great mentor. He was a principal friend, Phil Gramling. Think a lot of him. He's He really had a huge impact on my early career. So really The smile on him. your face shows yeah. me that he really yeah, has had no, it. He was, he was really a, a strong person and a great leader uh, and was, was really privileged to work under his leadership in those, you know, those formative years when you're, mm-hmm. you're in the classroom, but you're going to be a leader. And, uh, his guidance was just, uh, just invaluable. Last question. What is something that you can't do and you wish you could play a guitar? Yeah. yeah I would love to be able to, to strum. I love music. Uh, I have music going a lot in my day. So yeah, play the guitar. I, I'm, I'm envious of those folks that can do that. I am too. I, I don't think I could, you know, some people can play the guitar and sing. I can't even chew gum and walk. So I think that that's a talent that I would love to. Least favorite word in the dictionary? Um, I think quitter. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, 
I, I, I just don't like, I don't like the concept. I don't want to be associated with it. Unless it's unless you're talking about a bad habit you picked up along the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only good way to use That's Twitter, right? right? That's right. <laughs> well, I'm Yay, a- I'm a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we're going to quit for the rest of the day for this. So um, I hope you have a good afternoon. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, the uh, thanks are all mine. I appreciate the opportunity and the invitation to come and talk about uh, some of my story as well as some of Cherokee County School District's story. Uh, what a privilege it is. You know, when I analyze things, obviously, you know, I've been at it 36 years and a long time. Uh, I stopped defining success all about earning, winning, that kind of a, a thought. And I mm-hmm. think about meaning and purposefulness. And uh, it, it's been a great opportunity and an opportunity of a lifetime to serve as superintendent of this great district and to serve the people of Cherokee County. Well said. Thank you for closing it up. Thanks, Appreciate Jody. It. Take care. Get out there and enjoy Cherokee. Enjoy Cherokee Voices and Enjoy Cherokee Magazine are produced by EMI, a nationally recognized award-winning multimedia content producer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For additional information about this and all of our podcasts, visit enjoycherokee.com. If you enjoyed this show, click subscribe and take some time to rate and review the podcast now. It really does help us succeed in the booming world of podcasts. 